Welcome to the Premium Property Podcast. Created by two beginners, it is the perfect listen for those of you who are just finding your feet in the property industry. We will ask questions that other beginners, just like us, have been waiting to hear, and we will be learning along with you. I'm Harley. And I'm Guy. And this is the Premium Property Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Premium Property Podcast. This week we have Luigi Newton on the podcast and Luigi was our first ever guest that we recorded with. So we got thought we'd get him on for a second episode and because the audio wasn't very good in the first one, as I'm sure most of you know. So yeah, on this one we talk about what Luigi has been up to since we last spoke how he's scaled his business during lockdown and the challenges that he's faced with that. And then we also talk about how he works with his joint venture partners in order to have the most beneficial relationship with them. So yeah, it's a really, really good episode, guys. I really, really hope you enjoy it. And as usual, if you do enjoy it, please make sure to share it wherever you are listening. And if you could leave us a review, that'll be brilliant. Without further ado, let's jump straight into it. Hi Luigi, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you back on. Obviously, the first time we had you on the podcast, it was our first ever one we've recorded. So the audio wasn't amazing, but yeah. it should be better on this one. So yeah, it's great to have you back on, Luigi, and welcome. Yeah, do not worry about before, mate. You know what it is? I, I've tried to do like YouTube videos before and the audio is just messed up and it's so annoying. It's like the worst thing ever, but yeah, it sounds pretty clear now. So uh, yeah, this one should be better. Yeah, all good. Yeah, I think it was our first one, so we weren't too sure yeah. how it would go. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, all good anyway. So yeah, in terms of obviously, since we last spoke, what have you yeah. been been doing? What you've been up to in the in the property world? Then you know what I can't remember. Um, exactly where I was at in my career when we met up because I think it was about a year ago wasn't it or six months yeah so it was in I think it was right at the start of the year and I think you had three three properties then so yeah yeah yeah, yeah basically I've done, I've done two more since then um, and then sold one of them and then now I'm in the process of buying two more so a lot has been happening for myself. So it's been going really well, to be honest. And yeah, I've been doing a lot of YouTube stuff, obviously acquiring more properties, purchasing, buying more properties, um, doing the more refurbishing and refinancing them, basically doing the borough method just like I was when I met you before and doing a lot of YouTube content, getting myself out there. So yeah, man, it's been, uh, it's been good fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, nice. It definitely sounds like you've sort of pushed on pretty well and you, you're doing well for yourself. So, yeah, glad yeah. to hear it. And Yeah. Yeah, so in terms of, are you still looking down the, are you still doing HMOs then or have you, obviously you sold yeah. one, so is that just like a, a normal flip then? Yeah, so that one there, we just had some issues remortgaging it because it was a five bed. So we decided, you know what, let's sell it. Um, we made, you know, we made a decent amount each. We made up just about 20k each, so it was all right. Um, but lesson learned from that one was to go for six bed or more 
if you want to get good valuation numbers, like if you want to get commercial value. I know Jonathan was speaking about it in you guys' podcast as well. So it's definitely true. If you do six or above, you can get commercial valuations on them. Uh, but if five, it's a bit difficult to do it. So um, unfortunately, we couldn't do it. So we just thought, you know what? Let's bang it on auction, sold it, made a quick 20K each, me and my business partner on that one. And um, yeah, done and dusted. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so I guess that sort of comes back to you have to have an exit strategy because obviously if you are solely relying on that one to be a HMO, then yeah. you probably would have sort of not not known what to do with it if you if you weren't able to get the valuation. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, in terms of your question that you asked, sorry, mate, was um, HMOs 100%. The two I'm buying, they're both HMOs. One of them is a six bed. Well, it's a three bed that I'm going to convert to a six. And then the other is, um, again, a free bed that we're going to try get planning on, try and make into an eight bed. Nice. So that should be juicy for myself and my uh, JV partner on that particular deal. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. So in terms of those, less, so with the free bed to the eight bed, then obviously that's like a, a massive conversion. So how are you structuring that? Is that, going to be with an extension or are you just yes. going to yeah so it's in a non-article area so there's no article four which is good um and then basically what we're going to do for that one is it's a jv so my joint venture partner is funding the whole deal i've obviously found the deal I'm going to be managing the whole process in exchange for 50 50 on the profits um on the monthly profit and if we sell it then 50 percent of that i'd get as well so um yeah, it works for us both because he lives in London. And the way that I've, the strategy on that one is it's a decent sized property on a corner of a street in a residential area. And what I'm going to do is actually apply for a large extension, like a double story side extension. Um, so I'm going to do that and then apply to do the eight bed as well. So it will all be in one application. It'll be like a change of use and a large uh, double story side extension. So uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And if it gets approved, then we'll just go ahead and do the extension. And if it doesn't, then we're just going to do it as a six, five or six bed. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, so in terms of the, obviously, are, are you at the sort of, what stage is the planning in? Is that an early? Is that an early stage or? Yeah, is that a very? Because the thing is, we're we're getting it on a buy to let, so I'm sure they won't hear this. But basically, if you're doing it on a buy to let, and you apply for a change of use, right, and you want to do an extension and things like that, any planning applications that get accepted on it, it could raise a flag, and then the buy to let lenders will be like. We're not lending to you anymore so basically what we're doing is we're just going to not apply for any planning until we get the keys okay yeah so i guess that's i guess it's like you're not exactly breaking the rules essentially but you're hey just guys i'll tell you straight up i'll be very honest with you this is just little things what you can do to get around like things like that because you should really be buying it on a bridge but i'm not going to do that because 
the lockdowns come in, who knows if you get stuck on a bridge for, for ages, it could be very pricey. Yeah. 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 Exactly. And yeah, I think with the with the market at the moment, especially if you were if you weren't able to get the the valuation that you wanted at the end of it, then if you like I said, if you're on a, a bridge, it would be pretty costly. And obviously, when you're working with a, a JV partner, you you want to make sure that they're protected as well. So yeah. Oh yeah, man. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, end of the day, sometimes you just gotta play the game, and that's what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, obviously, since we last spoke in, I think it was January. Now, the market yeah. was was kind of stable, and then we hit literally a few weeks after. Some we just got put in like a, a crazy lockdown, and the markets kind of didn't take a turn for the worse, but they were just so unpredictable in the fact that. It's very strange how we're seeing like record house prices. So obviously, from when we first met and to now, you tried to almost refinance, but you couldn't really do it on that one. So you sold that deal. Yeah. Um, how how have you found the market in a sense for the refinance? If that makes sense. So has there been has it been more difficult to get to do refinancing on properties or? To be honest with you, it was more that particular deal was because it was a five bed. It's just an awkward number because they weren't one of. Of give you a commercial vow just because of the five bed so I can't really speak on it too much because that was the only one I was doing at that time um, obviously I'm just about to finish a project which I'm going to be refinancing um, but that's a six bed so I'm pretty sure we should have no problems with that one um, it's got the certificate of lawfulness it's got six bedrooms um, just waiting for the license to be approved and we'll be refinancing it so yeah um, to answer your question, Guy, I think it was more just that particular deal was difficult to refinance because of the, the amount of bedrooms. Oh, I see, I see, yeah. And then obviously before we started recording, we were talking about what you're doing now, so that new deal you were on about. So are you able to almost talk us through that in a sense and how that's been going on? Yeah, so basically there's two new deals. I was just telling you one of them um, I just touched on a little bit about the corner plot we're going to apply for a large double story side extension and do it as an eight bed Well, apply to make it into an eight bed HMO. It's currently just a three bed house, but the land on the side is so big. So that's one of them. We're currently purchasing that one now with my JV, one of my JV partners in London. Um, so that deal is probably going to cost us about 120 grand to do. And yeah, should be pretty juicy if all goes to plan. And we've got a plan B and a plan C as well, which I think is kind of crucial. Um, so that's one of the deals. And the, the one that, the other one is one that I've just, someone let me know about it. I just viewed it today. I've just put my offer in and they're saying it's very likely, likely to be accepted. So it's looking like I'm going to do that one as well. That one will be a personal project. So just my money. Might end up Jane being with someone on it, but it just depends because... I don't know, I kind of want to do some myself too, you know, just with my own funds rather than always using with a joint venture partner. Yeah, definitely. And if someone yeah. approached me like, Luigi, listen, I want to do it. I'll be like, all right, come on then, let's do it. Exactly, yeah. It's, no, no, that's good. And then going back to the the first deal, so the eight bed, um, obviously you've been doing that throughout lockdown. So how, how, how have you found it during lockdown? Did you find it hard to get a deal? Did you find it hard to get the JV partner? Do you think it would be hard to rent out as it's an A-bed or? 
Well, the JV partner had just approached me during lockdown saying he's got some funds, he wants to use, you know, he wants to get into property, he wants to, to purchase something. He was just obviously struggling in London because it's London. Um, so that's why obviously I'm based in Nottingham. So for me, it was pretty easy to team up with him. Obviously, I find the deal. He funds the whole deal. And I just manage the whole process from start to finish. So the JV side was pretty easy. It's nothing new. I've been doing it for a while, the JV um, strategy. And I'm always open to working with new JV partners as well. So, um, yeah. But finding the deal, it was just as normal, really. When viewing started again, after the lockdown, I just straight away got back on it, did a load of viewings. And then I just found something. It was on the open market, this one. And yeah, that was pretty easy. Um, I found it difficult to find that something that worked because everything was selling very quickly and everything was selling above asking, I was finding. So I did struggle, but I think now it's gone down a bit now. It's a bit more calmed down. Yeah, definitely. And obviously, you just mentioned the fact that the that eight bed, I think, did you say it was 125 all in? That's how much the whole deal will cost if we do get, if we are able to do a large extension and turn it to an eight bed. I, I would think we're going to end up finishing on about 125, maybe 130 or something like that, or maybe 135. I don't know. Um, we'll just have to see what, you know, how it all plays out. Um, but if we just do it, if we don't do the extension, we might finish on, say, 90K all in. So, you know, obviously the purchase price of the property is 213. So you got your 25% deposit, then plus the extension. All right, I see. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. 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 And then in terms of like the rest of the figures, then what are yeah. you working on? Like monthly cash flow? What's the return, if that makes sense? Oh, well, if we, it depends. If we get the eight bed, if we get approved as an eight bed, it's a lot more juicy. But even as a six bed, if we just keep the original building and we don't do the extension, it's still very juicy and nice. Um, it's around 1,900 profit per month, which me and my JV partner were split. So it's just another step to the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of, so that HMO then, if yeah. you was to refinance it, would all that money just go straight to the investor as it was their initial money or would you just still 50-50 everything? Yeah. So on the refinance, um, the initial investment um, that the JV partner would make, he would get that all paid back upon the refinance. Now, I'm always 100% up front with everyone and I say to them, um, whatever JV partner I'm working with, I'm, I say to them very clearly, I say, listen, ideal situation, when we refinance, we can pull out all of your initial investment. So if it costed you 120K to do, um, hopefully you're able to pull out 120K back. But there's no guarantee. I can't personally guarantee that. That's not something I can promise at all. But I can say that it's very likely that you should get back most of your initial investment, hopefully all of it. So that's kind of the wording I use because I think that's crucial to be upfront. Um, so people's expectations are set from the get-go because the reality is, yeah, it's amazing when you can pull out all your money, but not every single deal, you'll be able to do that on every single deal. Some you might have to leave in 
you know, 20, 30%. So that's just an honest conversation that you have to have with the JV partner. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so key when working with anyone, really. It's You've got to be honest from the start and sort of get out, sort of let them know how you work and how you usually work with other people. And then obviously make sure that you're conservative with your numbers and then you let them know that there is a risk that they won't get their money back. And I think that the majority of investors are experienced enough to know that anyway. But yeah, I think it is so important to just be upfront from the start. Yeah, I think it's crucial because I see, you know, a lot of people in this world are kind of over-promise and under-deliver. And I just think that's the totally wrong way to do it. I think the best thing to do is just be upfront about everything, you know. And this is with everyone you're dealing with. Because then, as I've said it before on YouTube, I want to be known as one of the most, or the most honest guy on YouTube that's to do with property. You know, just to really just telling people how it is. No bullshit, no messing around. Just this is it. This is the risks. This is what can happen. This is what can happen if it goes well. This is what can happen if it goes great. You know, if we get a really good valuation figure, then we can pull out more than you put in. Um, so it's pros and cons. I just give it to people straight up. Tell them, you know, just everything in an honest way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's they probably do have quite difficult conversations from that. But I think, obviously, when you're having those difficult conversations, it will be a lot more beneficial in the long term because you won't have to sort of hide anything or cover anything up when it does come to refinancing or you are trying to pay the investor back. So, yeah, I think that's that's so key and definitely a, a good way to be for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't even, I wouldn't even say it's difficult. I would just say when you're that upfront with everything you do, there's no, there's no shadiness, there's no question marks. Everything's been spoken about, talked about before we even committed to a deal. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess you, you cut out a lot of time wasters that, that way and people who aren't actually serious and willing to take a risk as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of JV partners, then how would you say you have sort of, what's the best way that you have found that to attract these JV partners? And once you actually attract them, how do you go about working out whether you'll be compatible to work together? This is the thing that even right now, there's quite a few people that do want to do a JV. But it's one of those situations where you can't work with everybody and that you wouldn't want to work with everybody. You wouldn't want 1,000 JV partners. So I think it's about being picky and just choosing who you want to work with. Um, but at the same time as well, if someone's got a really good budget and you get on with them and you can communicate with them, you've sat down with them, you spoke to them several, on several occasions, then yeah, go for it. Go for it. Make sure everything's on paper. Make sure you're both legally protected. Make sure you've got, if you're doing it through a company, you've got a shareholders agreement and um, a JV agreement as well. So everything is spelled out. 
literally to a fine detail, everything spelled out. What happens if um, Harley and Guy dies? What happens to the property? <laughs> you know, you want to make sure everything's on paper, you're happy with the terms, the JV part is happy with the terms before you enter into buying uh, any properties. So I think the best way to attract JV partners, for myself, I can only speak on what's, how I've done it. It's basically to showcase what I do um, on YouTube, Instagram, you know, just basically anything property related. I've just documented it and showed it. So that's how I found it to work. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that I forgot what I was going to say now, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So in terms of obviously you've gone down the JV route and that's worked very well for you. So a lot of people also just use investors as sort of an angel investor and then pay them a monthly return. So in terms of that, say if someone was sort of just starting to build a portfolio, would you say it's better to, for their first deal, would you say it would be better to work with someone as an angel investor or do you think it would be better to just go down the JV route straight away? It's a really, really good question, Harley. And I think that you obviously need to be super, super careful. You know, this is a big thing. But I would say with the JV route, it's kind of, it's kind of like you're both mentally invested in the deal itself rather than, right, Harley and Guy, here's 100K, here's 50K. I'm just going to leave it all to you. The risk's on your side. I just want my money back and my interest back. With the JV route, it's kind of like your, the way I do it is, okay, as soon as someone's registered an interest in, they want to do a JV. We've spoken several times. They've provided me with proof of funds. I would then go out and find the deal for us to do. And I'd run it past them. So it's kind of like, so far the JVs I've done, the two that I've done, it's been the JV partner wanted some level of involvement. So they was like, right, I just want to know what we're buying type of thing. So how it worked was I'd go out and find a potential deal. And I'll be honest, if the deal was like, okay, I'd be like, listen, I found something and it's okay. I think we can do better so let's keep looking and maybe we can you know revisit that one at a later stage if we can't find anything else and then I might look for something I go and view three in one day and then at the end of the day have a quick 20 minute call with the JV partner say look I viewed these three one of them was shit one of them is not going to work at all the numbers are just not going to stack up but one of them could work if we can secure it for 150 for example so I'm going to, I think we should do it, put an offering for 150. It could definitely work. And then communicate, see what your JV partner thinks. Does he want to go for that one for 150? You can give him an idea on the monthly profit, how much investment is going to be needed, for example, and then just kind of decide together if that's the right one. Um, if he gives you the thumbs up, put it in for 150. If it gets accepted, happy days. And then you can go for that one. But I would just say, each time I've done these JVs, 
I've looked at 30, 35, maybe more houses before we've gone for one. Um, but sometimes you get lucky. You might view, say, eight, nine, and you find it straight away. So, but I like to view a lot of houses anyway. I find it fun. So, yeah. Yeah. No yeah, I, I think, obviously, I guess it sort of depends on what you prefer as a person because when you work with a JV partner, you are essentially setting up a business with them because you're both like you said, you're both discussing exactly what it is you're investing in and they're a lot more hands-on, whereas the typical angel investor, like you said, just sort of, you, they just sort of give you their money and then they want, want it back with the interest at the end of end of the term. So, yeah, I guess it all just depends on what you pref- how you prefer working as a person more than anything, really. Yeah, definitely. I 100% agree. And I think the hands-off investment method where angel investor if that's what you want to call it i do do that as well so i have some investors that are in for say 10k 7k some the highest i've done an angel type of investment was like 25k so someone's put in 25 but i think when you start playing with bigger numbers as well you do have to be careful as well about things like money laundering and accepting large sums from people so it is I think the JV route is definitely a lot more simple. Um, but yeah, it's down to the preference. I like the JV route myself, but I do work with the smaller investors on like, say, 20K, 10K, 15K. But if someone had upwards of 80K, then we can look to do a JV. But as I said, you have to be selective. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, before you touched on the sort of the viewings and the fact that you have to do say 30 to 40 viewings before getting a deal, which is definitely something that's not talked about on courses. They make out as if you could just view a property and then sort of have a deal there and then, but yeah. Um, in terms of like the viewing of properties then, do you do all of your sort or most of your due diligence before you go and view it to make sure you're not wasting your time because obviously you said it you enjoy it which is obviously great but then you probably don't want to waste your time by viewing something you know isn't really going to be a deal yeah 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 100 but sometimes you'll miss certain things on the listing so sometimes a listing might have rubbish pictures and it might have not much details no floor plan things like that so them ones there i just go for it i just go book it in go and view it because you never know what you can find and for me i just see it like experience as well because if you're if you're the guy that's viewing the most properties you're picking up on a lot more it's like more data coming into your brain you know so i just see it as like a every single viewing is like a little step closer and my knowledge is building from each different viewing, if that makes sense. But I just see things differently anyway. So I don't know. That's just how I look at it. I look at it as learning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think especially sort of at the start, it is important to view a lot of properties because you do learn so much every time you, you just learn a different thing. And I guess it helps to sort of, yeah. when you are actually 
offering on properties it helps you to speed up when you are viewing and then you can view more in one go as well so yeah what Harley guy check this out right my first year my first three years in property right I didn't have a car so all of my viewings I did was on Ubers wow yeah <laughs> that'll be in the month my Uber bill was like 700 at sometimes <laughs> wow no excuses man like for me I just found a way to do that you know but it was because I kept on failing my driving oh yeah not the practical it was the theory I failed the theory test eight times <sighs> wow right. I failed the theory test seven times and I passed on my eighth time yeah I did practical I failed on once on my practical and passed it the second time on my practical but now I've got a car, it's so much easier to do the viewing. So that's why I've been getting them in for the last yeah. four months. I've only been driving for four months. Wow. So all yeah. the deals I've done has been through Ubers and stuff like that. Yeah, I can I can completely relate to that because yeah. both of us um haven't been dry. Well, I've passed my test recently and I'm looking for a car at the moment. So yeah, I can completely relate to sort of having to get around to viewings and I'll, I'll just sort of take the bus and stuff. Um, that's it, man. That's it. That's why you're going to be successful, guys. That's what you do. Yeah. You yeah, exactly. And I, I, that's just sort of the, the realities of you yeah. you got to be willing to get stuck in and do things like that. Just take Ubers everywhere in order to, to get the deals. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, and then um, I think one of the very... Well, one of the most important topics, it might not be the most interesting, but I think it's something to definitely get right when doing JVs is the almost legality behind it. So yeah. obviously a lot of your properties are like joint ventures. So how would you structure that, if that makes sense? Would you do it in like an SPV? Would it be in their name? Then you do something else. How would you structure it? Yeah, so most of them are in mine. Just two of them are in JVs. Um, so how I've structured it is open a new company, um, or if you have a company that's dormant that you don't mind using, you can just add them on as a 50% shareholder and, and a director. Um, you just basically, the way I do it is get a company, you're a director, your JV partner's a director, you're both 50% shareholders. And then you then, if you're using a mortgage, then essentially you get the mortgage through the company name. Right. And it will be a joint mortgage. So it will be through the company, which obviously you're both directors of. So I just think that keeps it nice and simple, nice and clean, clear. And then obviously you have your shareholders agreement and your JV agreement. The shareholders agreement and the JV agreement, I get those drawn up by an accountant that I know who's really good. He's really meticulous with all the details. But you can also get the solicitor to do... I can't remember the name of it, but it's a document which is basically spells out the ownership and things like that. So you can have that as well. So it's, it's better to just get as much as you can on paper, basically. For the legal yeah. Side. yeah. Yeah. And so with those contracts you were just talking about, the ones that your accountant draw up, um, is that for every deal that you do? And if so, what are the, what are the traditional um, normal legal fees when it comes to actually doing a joint venture deal? Yeah, so the JV agreement is cost me around £400. That's just for the accountant's time. You can get a solicitor to do it if you wanted. 
Um, I'm just honest and flexible with my JV partner. I say, right, this is the guy I use to do to do it. We don't have to use him. If you want to use someone else, we can. Or we can make it and then you can get a solicitor to check it over, your own solicitor to check it over. So, yeah, I think, again, I think it's all down to your transparency, being open and honest. Yeah. But, and is it your investor that are paying the legal fees? Yeah, so it just depends because in general, yeah. So the way I structure it, you don't have to structure it like this, but the way what I find works best for myself and it's just a lot more simple is the JV partner would fund everything. So they'd fund um, all the legal side of it. They'd fund the deposit, the refurb, um, any legal costs involved. They'd fund everything. Um and upon refinance, they hopefully will get everything back. So everything's accounted for, if that makes sense. So if the deposit and refurb, for example, was 100K, it was 100K. And the legal fees and the JV agreements, everything was 3K altogether. When they refinance, hopefully they can get back up 103,000. I see. Anything yeah. else that's left over, we then split 50-50. I see. So essentially, it's basically a no money down deal for yourself then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, I've got some, sorry. Sorry, guys. Not something though, yeah, which I will ever go online and just say, yeah. no money down. I've just done a no money down deal. Because to be honest, I think it's disrespectful. Mm. I think it's disrespectful to go on like that and say, you can build a portfolio, no money down. Like you've all seen those ads. I'm not going to say who's doing them, but you see a lot of those ads coming on like, oh, it's no money down deal. Where And I'm just like, mate, have some humility with what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Because you, right. again, you, you don't know what the investor wants to keep private, doesn't want to keep private. So again, you just yeah. want to keep everything quite personal to yourself in the end. And one of my JV partners is quite a high profile in the entertainment industry, but he said to me from day one, Luigi, I'm happy to, to do JV with you. I want to do it. But is it possible if we keep it private? And I said, yeah, 100%. Like, you know, that's the integrity where you have to have. So yeah. definitely, because you might be working with some people who don't want to even be known as a landlord or as a property owner. So, yeah, integrity, crucial. Yeah, so another question on... So like investors and doing a JV, if you had a deal all lined up, potentially an investor lined up, but they were a bit hesitant on the 50-50 split because yeah. I know some people, they're not, it's not a controversial, but some people think it might be a bit too much. So what if someone approached you and said, can we do a 60-40 instead? Would you be open to do that or is it just strictly 50-50 for yourself? I personally wouldn't just because at this stage in my career, it's kind of like, I know what I can bring to the table. And I believe that the deals that I am bringing are, I think they're rare because I, I've got a certain thing where I look for. I know exactly what I'm looking for. I believe I know how to add value. I've done it. I've done it several times before. I know how to structure the deal in terms of making sure we can refinance and pull out most of the money hopefully all of it. And I don't think many people would know what they're doing in terms of that. Obviously, there's loads of people that 
that do it. And there's a load of people that do successfully do the burr method. But I think it is a skill that I've learned and it's a valuable skill. So for me personally, I would say no if someone said that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's fair enough because, again, if you've got so much to offer to the table, then obviously yeah. it would just be a no-brainer. So with yeah. your investors that you've got now, have you had any that have almost come back to you because the service that the first hand service was really 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 good and they want to do another yeah 100 especially the angel investors that are you know they've got the small pots of money the 8ks the 20k the 25 that want to to come in on the next deal they kind of use me as a bit of a, a savings trust fund i guess not a trust fund but you know like a way of increasing their initial pot of money so they can then either do a JV with myself and earn way more or they can just do say three, four deals with myself. They've grown their pot and they're saving alongside growing their money with me as well. And then they can buy their own property. So that is, yeah, definitely. I've got all the investors I've worked with. They've all stayed in and done additional deals with me. I see, um, yeah. yeah. And yeah. obviously Harley mentioned before, about yeah. what do you think people should go for first? Is it an initial like full investment of the angel or should you do a JV into a property? In terms yeah. of yourself, what yeah. do you prefer? Do you prefer if the investor was to just give you that initial investment or would you prefer to both have that stake in the property and just split everything 50-50, if that makes sense? That's a really good question. I think I like to do both. I like to do both. But if I had to choose one, it would be the JV route because I'm literally looking at this right now on my wall. I've got um, one year from now goals. So the 19th of August, 2021, because I made these on the 19th of August, 2020. One of my goals is I'm working with a multi-million pound joint venture partner. So someone which will say to me, Luigi, I want to do some big deals with you or I want to build a large portfolio with you. Um, we're happy with the terms. Get to work. So that's what I'm looking for right now. You know, that would be ideal for myself to meet someone with say three, four, five, six million or more that says, Luigi, let's do this. Let's build a portfolio or let's do some large deals on a JV. And um, yeah, so definitely that method. I just love that method. Yeah. And I definitely say you're on the right the right track because obviously if you're doing all these deals now until 2021, you've got that credibility that the investor can essentially just look at your portfolio. You clearly know what you're doing and you're doing it very well. So he'd be like, yeah, let's just work together and build this portfolio. Yeah. 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 Thank you, man. Obviously no one's perfect. I'm not, I'm not by saying I'm the best at this Burr method, but I'm definitely trying to just become the best. I can like learn as much as I can study like crazy be obsessed just really try and dial in this burr method strategy and just you know help other people make money which is what i'm doing which is a good feeling as well that's the other side of the jv stuff that i love because you are essentially becoming more wealthy yourself you're also helping your jv partner become more wealthy so it's a win-win yeah yeah exactly and i i think sort of what you mentioned about the fact that you're always trying to learn and study to try and um, grow your knowledge. It, 
that's such a, a key mindset to have because you'll never get complacent and you'll you'll never it's so easy once you start doing well for yourself to sort of let your ego get ahead but if you have that mindset you just you won't get like that and yeah I think it's so important to have a, a mindset where you are always learning and you are always trying to better yourself yeah because you know it's a constant learning process and with property there's so much things that you can learn and like different strategies you can use one thing I'm focusing on learning wise at the moment is planning I'm just really trying to get it dialed in like what can you do on the permitted development rights what can't you do? What's likely to be accepted in certain areas? What's likely to be rejected? You know, extensions, how big can I go? What's my PD rights? Stuff with HMOs. Is there any areas in the UK where the councils want HMOs or larger HMOs? Is there a shortage of housing in some areas where they want more HMOs? So there's so many aspects to it. And right now, that's my key area of study is the planning side planning permissions and pd rights yeah exactly yeah and obviously that's gonna re really help with your planning application that you're going through at the moment so yeah i think in terms of so say someone's sort of looking for their first property obviously it's it's hard to sort of give a, a generalized answer for this but what would you say is a like a good amount of knowledge to have and in what areas is a good amount to have before you actually take the jump and buy that first property? I think you need to get the basics dialed in. And I'd say for your first one, I wouldn't do nothing crazy. I wouldn't do like a planning application one. I would just do a simple, either a conversion I know this one guy and it's the best example ever what I've seen so far of a beginner doing the first deal really really well um, and it's a friend of mine called Kane he bought a property in Nottingham in an outside of the article 4 it was a three bedroom house and he converted it into a five bedroom luxury HMO um, fully refurbed it and they sold it and they made £100,000 Wow. So this was a good four years ago, but I was just so taken back with wow, a beginner has came in with his friend and they've purchased the property on a residential mortgage and they've converted it to a five bed HMO. They've got the license on it, they've got the consent to let on it, and they've done it all the right way. Um, and they've just sold it and made a hundred grand. Yeah, it's, it's so impressive, man. So Something like that, if some, if one of you guys could pull that off. I'm not saying you guys, I don't know your situation, but I just mean for someone starting out, that was like really impressive. So if you can look to do something like that, that's great. But if not, I'd say for a beginner starting out, first deal, they need to know all the basics about licensing, planning. Um, they need to know about specifically the licensing the requirements you know if they're doing a buy to let they need to know you know what do they need to put into the property to make it um legal so do they need fire doors do they need emergency lighting smoke alarms 
do any interlinked smoke alarms. Just get that bit dialed in, but you can find that all online anyway. So you're not going to know everything going in, but you can learn it as you're doing it. Yeah, exactly. And I think that is, is so key to get that balance of obviously making sure you know so you're not doing anything illegally pretty much. Yeah. And then obviously so not knowing it, not doing too much research so you don't end up actually doing a deal and then you end up just researching for ages. So yeah, I think it's important to try and get that balance definitely. Yeah. And I think also if someone's doing their first one, look for someone that you can just run things by like a mentor um someone you can ask questions to if you have to pay them then pay them you know it's not going to break your bank having a few coaching calls with someone that's very experienced in what you're trying to do like you know if you can't afford to do it then you probably won't be able to afford to do your own deal anyway so yeah you know, i think have someone you can run things past yeah, exactly. Yeah, and obviously that, that's so key. Just having that person there who is experienced, like you said, and then you can, yeah. if you do have a question, you you can just run it by them. But yeah, in terms of the, in terms of the, um, obviously like the the legal side and whether you need smoke alarms and the licensing side, is that all just available on the the council's website then? Yeah, yeah, it is. Everything is found online. You know, you can definitely, if it's not online or if the website's a bit unclear, just give them a call, you know, speak to the the HMO team if you're doing a HMO or if you're just doing a normal family buy to let and you need an additional license on the property because a lot of the good areas, there is additional licensing in play. So just call them, find out what you need to find out if it's not already on the website. They're, they're generally very helpful. Well, the ones I've dealt with have been. So, yeah. Yeah, so in terms of sort of moving back to what we were speaking about earlier, obviously with lockdown and trying to scale your business, yeah. what, would, what would you say have been the biggest challenges when trying to grow your business and obviously facing the lockdown and what sort of tips would you have for someone who is just trying to grow their business and in this current situation? Yeah. So I would just say, focus on what's in your control. We can't control if there's going to be another lockdown. We can't control if they're going to, you know, make the, the laws tighter on things we can do like viewings and stuff like that. So I would just say right now, whilst we can, let's get as much viewings in as we can. Let's try and secure some deals for ourselves or if we're using JV partners or investors, let's just right now, just go crazy, view everything, be aggressive and just literally do as much as you can now. That's what I would say. And then if the lockdown comes, just try and work around it, man. Just see what you can do. Solicitors were still working during lockdown. So purchases were still going through. I completed my, one of my, yeah, my latest purchase was during the lockdown. So yeah. I completed it. We completed on the property during lockdown. So it's possible. It's not going to, everything doesn't stop. Yeah, the valuers don't go out. But if you can get your valuations in now before the lockdown, then that's perfect. Because you should still be able to complete. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so key just for, like you said, focusing on what we can control because at the end of the day, right now you can still go out and do viewings. You can still go and meet agents and meet vendors. And yeah, it's just about focus, for not worrying about when a second lockdown will come, just focusing on doing as much as you can now before well we we don't know if one will come but just focusing on trying to just having a good work ethic essentially and doing as much as you can i'd agree with that completely 100 percent. yeah and then so obviously at the stage right now you're doing like uh, joint ventures hmos um what's next for you in a sense because i think you do seem to be fairly interested in developments do you think that's the next stage up yeah yeah i do and i think i'm ready for it man like as soon as that partner messages me and says luigi i've got you know one mil five mil six mil i'll be ready man and i'll just say right well these are the different strategies what we can do um we can do a large-scale development we could do some larger hmos or we could just do the six beds you know let's get 26 bed hmos in really good areas and let's hold that portfolio so i think I'd be able to, and I'd be happy to do many different types of deals. But you guys see me on YouTube linking up with people like Anthony Laville, who's doing larger scale developments. And I'm just hungry for knowledge, man. Like I link up with him and I'm asking him tons of questions for myself and I'm just recording it, you know? And big shout out to Anthony for, for helping me to kind of not mentor me, but just drop knowledge on me and everyone else that's watching the video um, on how you can actually do these larger scale developments. So if anyone listening has not checked it out, please go to my YouTube um, and look for that video because that's a really good conversation where he's dropped a lot of knowledge on us for completely for free. So um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, we'll be sure to drop that in the show notes below. But in terms of the ultimate future then, because obviously you want to be doing jvs to begin with do you then look to once you've kind of built that um foundation do you want to be doing developments yourself so you're 100 percent financed whether that's in a company and then you just take all the profits for yourself or you know what i'm not greedy man like i feel like if if there's a jv partner out there which i know there is i know they're out there it's just a question of me meeting them and working with them i'm happy for both to grow together you know and also my jv partner that i've currently got I've got long-term plans with them as well to build our own portfolios together with them because they're in London. So it's like, what can they do on their own? There's not that much. So it kind of makes sense for us to just grow together. So my vision is me with a large portfolio, but I'm happy to have a large JV portfolios going on, you know? Yeah, Because um, you still have equity within your name. Exactly. And that, that's kind of one of the most important things as well. And like you were saying, you like help, you like making money for yourself, but you also like making money for other pe people as well, which is, again, really important. So maybe for someone that's not necessarily a beginner in property, but someone that's at your current stage. So they're doing um, joint ventures with investors, with HMOs. How big of a step is it from JVing with HMOs and those kind of properties to doing large-scale developments or just medium-scale developments in itself? How big of a jump is that? Well, 
I would just say that everything structure-wise would stay the same. It'll be the same structure with your JV partner. But the only difference would be the size of the deal. So it would be slightly different if you're doing new builds and stuff like that. But if we was doing like a large extension, obviously there's a lot more to it, but it would be similar to doing the small extension. Obviously there's a lot more factors, technical things, but that's why you work with architects, you know, planning consultants, you know, building control. You're able to, they'll give you the information you need to make it happen. As long as you've got the money there, the vision there, the plans there, I don't see what would be that much different than doing something small than doing something big. Yeah. And in terms of for when you do jump into that, would yeah. you be looking more towards the build to sell or build to rent? Um, to be honest with you, I would look to, I would ideally want to retain the portfolio with the JV partner. So I would ideally like to do something where we can hold that we can hold long term. So refinance, do the bro method basically. Yeah. Because I do prefer that rather than doing these flips where you make a large sum. Um, because obviously in 10, 20 years, that sum what you might make initially by selling it is probably going to be nothing compared to what you can make in the long run because you've got all that rent coming in and the capital appreciation. So yeah, I'd say buy and hold for sure. Yeah. Build and then, <laughs> and like in terms of the market now then, because obviously it's at a very strange place, like we, we were saying, but in terms of like development is there's kind of been a bit of an ease on like planning permission, like what they've all been saying with the new restrictions and everything. They're just wanting to make things normal again, which is why I think Boris said something about ease and planning permission. So it might be, Easy, easier to build do you look to almost capitalize off this and start doing developments as soon as possible yeah man like if they make the pd if they give us more pd rights that would be amazing i would love that um but yeah 100 100 because i think they have increased the pd rights on extensions um i think they did that like two years ago i believe so it's it seems because there's a short of shortage of housing in the UK, mm. kind of makes sense for them to loosen the planning a bit or just come with a better system. So I think they're talking about creating a better system, a better planning system. So that would just be great. That'd be great. But I just think for me, I'm just trying to really get obsessed with it. And as I said, learn as much as I can about the planning side, really, really study it. Um, and just learn as much as I can. So whatever changes happen, then I'm ready and I can just adapt. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think now there's just such a gap in the market within development because, like you were saying, there is a yeah. house in that there is a shortage of housing in the UK. And off the back of many people getting uh, made redundant, meaning that they might have to move out of their accommodation. If you could potentially do some developments and make it affordable for those people, then you've just kind of it's like a win-win situation at the end of the day because you're yeah. providing for those people. That's it. And you can make money yourself. So that's really, really important. Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of the future then, like for the market, where do you see it in like the next six to 12 months? Because obviously at the moment it's very high, like all-time high prices. It doesn't seem very sustainable. Do you see it going down? Do you keep seeing it going up or? 
I would say that the market will go down a little bit. I don't think it's going to be crazy. I don't think it's going to be like a 50% drop or like 30% drop. I think it would just be like 15. Because the last one in 08 was what, 16% drop in general? Obviously, some areas were more than others, but I think on average, the house prices dropped by 16%. So when you think about it, it's not, it is a big drop, but I wouldn't think they would drop any further than that just because there's a shortage of housing. So I don't see how it could, if that makes sense. But I'm no financial expert or anything like that. I just literally roll with the punches, man. Like if it drops, then great. Yeah, exactly. You just have to kind of work off the basis, really. You can't really predict if it's going to go up, down. So you just have to accept it for what it is and just work around it. Yeah. Like, with the strategies that I'm using now with the HMO stuff, it's like I'm adding values in a different way through planning and through converting family homes to HMOs. So it's like I'm looking to add value in different ways rather than just buying something discounted, doing it up and refinancing it. I'm looking to buy something ideally discounted, but do large extensions, turn them into large HMOs, that type of thing. So if that makes sense, it doesn't really matter if they drop 15%. Yeah, because I guess you've still added immense value to the fact that if it does drop whilst you're doing that, it'll only just bite into your profits a small amount. Whereas if you just kind of relied on it, to if you just bought bought property at a discount and you just added up um you just added some normal value and the market dropped by 10 5 percent then and if that's all your money gone then that's you out whereas what you're doing is very different so yeah 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 it's pretty smart i think with the planning stuff there's always going to be like for example i viewed a property yesterday and i'm trying to tie that one up as well but the asking price is quite high it was like 350 and houses on that road are selling for about 300 but the garden is so big where you could literally just apply for a house on the garden, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, these strategies, what I'm using, they're not just, it's not basic stuff. It's complicated stuff. It's like you buy something, you apply for planning on it. You get your architects to draw up, you know, the plans. You then do the full planning application. And if it gets approved, then you can split the land, sell it sell the land and keep the house there's different ways of doing it so i'm not too concerned man i think either way i'm gonna make money yeah exactly and i think if as a, with planning like you said there is so many things that you can do with it in order to sort of make make a margin from it so yeah i think as long as you sort of have that creativity and you have the mindset to take it on then yeah. I think you will sort of, like you said, you you'll make money either way, and you'll you'll be successful either way. So, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. yeah, exactly. And <clears throat> sort of as, moving towards the end of the interview, we obviously usually ask the question, "What would your top three tips be?" But we've already asked you that, so I mm. think a more fitting question would probably be from when we first spoke to now yeah sort of looking back either what free tips would you give yourself then or just what what would your best advice be towards yourself then 
You know what? It wasn't even that long ago. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. It was only in January, which is what? Nearly a year. So, yeah. okay. So tips what I told myself then would be, oh, man, that's a tough question, man. Okay, tips that I told myself back then in January would be keep doing what you're doing and get your full-time videographer on board sooner than you did. Yeah, because that's been a big help for myself. He's actually in the building with me now. But um, basically, I've got a um, part-time videographer that's working with me, and that's helped me grow the YouTube tremendously. So, um, which gives me more exposure, because as I said, I want to meet that multi-million pound JV partner. So, I can't just wait around, wait for them to come to me. I need to be putting myself out there. Uh, I've got approached by Channel 5 as well who are talking about doing a uh, show that they've got going on called Rich Holiday, Poor Holiday. And they found me from the YouTube as well. So apparently the, the episodes get 1.6 million views. So I'm just chatting with them now. But um, yeah, it's um, I might be on that. So hopefully that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I'll just tell myself. Yeah, sorry, man. I'll just tell myself to wrap it up. I'll tell myself get your videographer on board now rather than six months later than you should. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty much it, Luigi. I mean, again, we usually ask you if you've got any special mentions, but I'm pretty sure we've asked you that already. So if you've got any more, you want to, sh- any more people you want to shout out? Shout out to my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, mom. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, yeah, just shout out to my whole team, man. My designer, my interior designer, she's always been a massive part of what I'm doing. Shout out to my videographer, Thierry. Um, shout out to just some of my friends, Josh and Joe Vaughan, for helping me out with, I guess, my business side and just, you know, just being there for me in terms of if I ever need some support in any way, they're just there. And um, shout out to my property friends, Jamel, uh, Charmaine, she just moved to Spain. Shout out to you, everyone. Really, that's been a part of the journey. It's been amazing. So I'm just gonna keep going, and yeah, yeah. So it's been great to have you back on Luigi, yeah. and luckily we've got some good audio on this one. So yeah, hopefully people should really enjoy it. And yeah, it's been great to great to chat again. So yeah, thanks for coming on. That's all right. You guys keep smashing it, man. Such a young age and you just, you're just really doing well with the branding and get yourself out there. So, And I see you doing a lot of viewings as well, so I like it, man. Keep going. Yeah, awesome. Cheers for coming on, Luigi. All right, guy, Harley, I appreciate it. I'll see you soon. See you soon. All right. Amazing. Cheers, buddy. Bye. Thank you. Cheers, man. So, guys, that was another amazing episode with Luigi and could possibly be an improvement on the first episode definitely with the audio anyway Luigi is a really really great guy a really honest and humble guy and you can tell that his investors are sort of really happy working with him because he is just an honest guy and he just tells them how it is which is a great way to be so yeah I really hope you enjoyed it guys and we'll see you next week for another one